Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy, back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, we're kicking off our 2023 series called In Search of RSP 3.0, where we discuss with industry leaders what's around the corner for the Retail IT channel. These conversations will not only be informative, but also a celebration of the RSPA's 75th anniversary in 2023. Our guest today was one of the founders of Distributor ScanSource in 1992, served as ScanSource's president for several years, and today is the company's chairman and CEO. Mike Bauer, welcome to the RSPA Trusted Advisor podcast. Well, good afternoon, Jim, and thank you so much. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, always a pleasure uh, to talk with you. So uh, we're going to go in the time machine for a little bit before we look ahead, if you don't mind uh, doing that. And again, most of the time we're going to spend talking about the future, but let's Put some context first. So take us back, if you can, to 2005. Back then, the RSP was a dealer-only organization. Very few people use even the phrase dealer anymore. It's a reseller of VAR. And the vendors, distributors, and ISVs, they were not even allowed to be members. They were only sponsors. And so my understanding was that you and some other folks saw the need for an industry association, not just a dealer association, and you started tapping other leaders on the shoulder, tapping them in the space to take action. So can you talk about what did you see back then? Yeah, sure, Jim. It. Uh... Sometimes it's hard to remember how so much has happened in our channel over the last 30 years. And and you're right, back to 2005, it had been probably for two or three years, uh, this discussion I was having with different people about, you know, what is really the channel going to do long term? And selfishly for ScanSource, we're dependent on the channel. 100% of our revenues go through channel partners. So without the channel being successful, we can't be. And so self-serving, we said, how do we make sure this channel can grow and prosper as the retail IT industry goes through a lot of change? And certainly in the early 2000s, there was a lot of change. And and, and when I met this organization for the first time, I was always fascinated by how insular it was and how they tried to keep people out. And we were trying to support the organization, and yet we were considered a vendor as a distributor, which didn't feel great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It felt okay, but it wasn't like we were tied to each other's success like I thought we might could. So the thought was, how do we combine efforts? Because I felt like ScanSource and all the other distributors, too, our interests were aligned with the interest of the RSPA and the suppliers and the ISVs, et cetera. And it was a couple of people that I had talked to regularly. And frankly, I was complaining. I was like, and, and one of those guys was Mark Olson, APG Cashworth. Mark and I were good friends. And we would just, you know, over a beer or drink, say, gosh, how can we do something different in the future? And one idea was, hey, maybe we could get the RSPA board to listen to a proposal. And I said, I don't really know anybody. Mark did. And then we had another guy literally walk by. We were at some industry event. It was Barry Wise from Epson. Barry was, again, very instrumental in thinking through the, the importance of the retail IT channel, as you know, from those days. And because Barry knew the Epson, the end user story so well, Mark knew the channel story. As a distributor, I thought the three of us could maybe convince the board to just listen to it. So we got a meeting. I think it was in Florida at one of the events. And we presented, hey, this is this is our our vision. And it's not to subjugate the members, the existing members. It's to say, how can we help multiply the opportunities for growth? So it really was about growth of the entire channel. And if the whole channel grew RSPA members would do better, 
the suppliers would do better and the distributors. That was, that was it. Um, so it probably was a little selfish, but it was also how do we do something bigger and better for everyone? Yeah, and so th those conversations took place in 05. In 2006 at the Winter Conference, it wasn't even called RSP Inspire back then, uh, I got to attend. I was with Business Solutions Magazine. Mark Olson was there. Barry Wise was there. I had the great pleasure of meeting Paul Constantine uh, from ScanSource there as well. And it seemed like at that event, there was arm wrestling. There was definitely friction between the vendor community and the, the dealer community and fear, but it seemed like they formed a common bond to help each other remain relevant. I guess you remember that way as well in terms of initial friction, but once both sides over time realized, hey, like our futures are locked together, we should probably work together in order to make this positive for all of us. Do you remember it that way as well? I, I, I do, Jim, and I think the the when we would get to the right people at the suppliers or the right people in the RSPA, they all agreed. It was there was always though a few people that well, I'll be honest they were they were dead set that we were wrong, and we had to really just go through the exercise multiple times to say what are you worried about and how do we solve for that? By the way, one of the big issues I don't know if you remember this, Jim was was the was as a distributor we viewed the RSPA as a competitor, competitor. Mm -hmm. because the RSPA at the time as you know was actually distributing hardware and so. One of our it was called PC4. PC4. Yeah. One of our proposals was let's we'll solve that. We'll buy PC4 scan source from the RSPA, which we did. So we actually gave the RSPA money to get them out of that business so that that issue went away. Anyway, so that's the kind of creativity that happened. And I'll give Paul a lot of credit for that because Paul really did a wonderful job working with the leadership at RSPA to say this this can work. And and yeah, we know you went down this path viewing that you had to have some distribution capabilities. But long term, that's really not your core value. Your core value is different and will align with your core values. So, yeah, it was it was fraught with a lot of detours, but it came out, I think, wonderfully for everyone in the end. Yeah, a lot of obstacles, but you'd navigated them together. And once folks saw that it was mutual, mutual uh, interest of each other. So, well, yeah. and let's talk about now about ScanSource and your adaptation over the years. So if someone was going to ask you how ScanSource has changed over the decades, how would you answer that question? Because it, you know, you talked about the new scan source at your partner conference back in October. Well, um, we we did, and we we said the new scan source um, is there, is here. Um, scan source 2.0, new scan source. We we have gone through a transformation. Matter of fact, I said we are transformed. We're done. We've gotten yeah. through this, and and when I go back and think about it. Um, over the decades, we were always committed to a couple of core values, which was 100% channel oriented. We did not sell to end users. We told people we will not. We, so we were always the friend of the dealer community. We also said that we wanted to provide um, accurate, low cost uh, delivery of products for our customers, for our dealers. Um, we did that and we want to do that at a, a cost effective basis so that dealers didn't have to worry about supply. And so we became these supply chain experts back before people were saying it's supply chain. Mm -hmm. um, but I felt like the biggest difference we had back in those days was the loyalty and trust between distributors. And it wasn't just us, it was the other distributors too, and the, the dealer channel, now VAR, now solution providers. And as we got into, and so that went great. Our company grew fantastically, the community did at large. But in the, after the great recession, Everybody kind of you know, recovered for a couple of years and said, OK, we can actually all now start investing for the future. We were looking out 
in the future in 2015, and we could not see a lot of additional growth areas that were new until we took a team of three people, sent them on a little skunk works project downtown mm-hmm. Greenville, hired some consultants, and we came up with the idea of finding some adjacencies. Uh, they didn't have to be exactly in the markets we're in, but the, these adjacencies that would help scan source grow through the channel. And, and that's really the biggest uh, change we ever made because we made uh, multiple acquisitions. We invested over $400 million in getting ScanSource ready for where we are today. So this, what we announced in October, the new ScanSource started in 2015. Mm-hmm. Acquisitions in 16 of Intellisys and 17 of POS Portal, another company, Campango, another company, NT. Uh, and then we had to reorganize inside ScanSource. A lot of people didn't know until later because we kind of screwed it up. We, we took a lot of our sales teams and we tried to cross train them and it was massive change and we were putting in SAP. So, yeah. so all of that happened in about five years. And, and meanwhile, you have to do, you know, $3.7 billion, $2,000 at a time every day. And, and so our business is an execution business that went through massive change. And by 2019, we felt like, okay, we're going to breathe a sigh of relief, even though customers had gone through a lot of grief with us. And then, First quarter, 2020, pandemic. Yeah. And so, wow, we were poised in March of 2020 to really see the results of all that effort. And a lot of it got postponed until we then emerged after a lot of challenges in 2020. But today, the business is healthy. We believe we have a great and better value proposition to the dealer community than ever before. Yeah, this wasn't just changing your logo or a slogan or something cosmetic like you ScanSource is remarkable. I mean, it's still in Greenville, right? And, you know, spread all throughout, but remarkably different than what it was, right? If somebody was, you know, was in a coma for 10 years, they'd wake up radically different. Yeah, that's right. We had like six presidents in the U.S. We had a president of each of our kind of businesses, whether it was the POS business or our Cisco business or uh, via communications business. We had all these separate sales teams. And, and we determined in 2015 again that for us to get into this new adjacent market, we needed to be able to get leverage off of our existing, you know, 20 year investment in our business. And that was a massive, massive reorganization, yeah. which, by the way, is part of what we learned is what we're trying to share now with our partners is, is how do you maybe consider doing some of what we did? Because we did a lot of it, it was ripping out the guts of the business. You're absolutely right. Yep. And, and and by the way, and I still have my job. So the CEO <laughs> kept his job, which is rare. <laughs> right, right. It's like, a, as Mark Olson would say, like a duck on water, right? The feet yes. are moving like crazy underneath, but it's gliding exactly. on the surface. <laughs> exactly. So we survived. And and like I said, during then COVID, we had to do some other resets. And, uh, and we believe that's why in October, we're ready to go. And we're in execution mode today, Jim. Right. And now you alluded to this earlier, dealer, VAR, solution provider. The phrase that you used a lot at your conference was hybrid solution providers. And it really seems like you see that as the VAR of the future. Can you share with our audience your perspective? Like, what's your definition? Can you paint a picture of a hybrid solution provider? You know, what we're trying to say there uh, with hybrid solution provider is we started out with this idea of just the word solutions for years and years and years, all of us did. And and that's always confusing to an end user customer. Like, well, what solutions are you talking about? And when we got into the recurring revenue business with our IntelliSys acquisition in 2016, we learned that there was this whole group of partners out there called agents. They didn't call themselves VARs, didn't call themselves solution providers. And these were partners, if you will, channel partners who had 
learned how to sell only only cloud services and only connectivity and internet bandwidth. And so when we would have one of our RSPA members putting in a, you know, six or seven lane grocery store system, rarely did they touch the infrastructure related to internet bandwidth. If they, if they were, if they were going to talk about that, that was somebody else. And we learned that through our research that that could be the same partner. And matter of fact, the customers, the end customer, we surveyed, they're saying, you know, why don't we, why can't we have a partner provide all of this? Because the hardware doesn't work today without the internet. We all know that. Yeah. The network, mm -hmm. the network is so critical. So it's not like it's unusual to have someone understand how the hardware and the connectivity are together. It used to be, it was more about the software and the hardware. Today, I would say it's even more critical to understand your connectivity issue because everyone, of course, is using um, connectivity with the payment systems, whether that's on your phone, which has got to have connectivity in the store, right, uh, or in the restaurant. And so this idea of how can we get our VARs, traditional VARs, to start selling connectivity, we were massively surprised at how difficult it was for a traditional partner to do that. And so we we started last year saying we need to call it something different so everybody can understand this is a big deal. Mm -hmm. This is bigger than just, hey, bar selling some software or some or Microsoft Teams. This is a big deal of how do you now start working in this world where recurring revenue through the sale of connectivity and software is now as important as selling the hardware to your customer. And then mm -hmm. how do we, how does ScanSource help prepare you for that? And so this hybrid is hardware, software, either in the cloud, which most of it is today, and some kind of connectivity, kind of those are the three pieces. And we think a partner who can do some or all of that is going to be more successful with their existing customers. I mean, this is a way for an existing um, community of partners, um, our, our dealers, our VARs, to go out to their existing end users and say, hey, um, are you happy with your internet provider? Right, Most which you need. They no. have an internet provider, right? And yeah, so they need yeah. everyone's got an internet provider. And, and they even can say, we would just like to um, audit your internet cost and make sure you're getting uh, quoted correctly. You have the right amount of bandwidth available for your peak times. I mean, very simple auditing of their existing uh, systems, and that leaves opportunity for the partners. Got it. And I guess I, I like, you know, you're talking about the transition. You went through the transition that your partners need to go through. And while their business is like the business sucks them back in, even though they yeah. want to do something different, what you've done in the past, what your habits are, what you're comfortable with just kind of kind of pulls you pulls you back in. So one other thing uh, you said on stage at that event, because you didn't sugarcoat the challenge for the VAR community. And so I want to read one of your quotes to you, kind of make you feel like you're on Meet the Press, right? Like you're one of the guests. I'm Tim Russer here reading one of your quotes back to you. So you said, uh, this is an amazing time to be in the technology business, but it's also a risky time. This isn't easy money. You have to build your company differently to take advantage of these opportunities. It's going to be hard to change for what you've been doing the past 10 to 15 years. You just kind of alluded to that. But you said, if you do, you'll attract the right people to your business and have a future that's extremely bright. So I guess before we talk about that bright future, talk about the risks and difficulties ahead for the VARs as they're trying to make this transition, because it's not just like adding one more item to their line card. Like, I'm going to sell connectivity. It's radically changing their business. Can you talk about that first, the difficulties? Yeah, yeah, Jim, you know, I had hoped when we were going down this path that it was going to be like, do you want French fries with your hamburger, sir? 
Turns out, not so easy to do. <laughs> um, so we were having to, inside scanners, figure out, can we have our hardware sellers sell these connectivity to a partner? And we, we haven't done that as well as we thought we would. That's very hard. And you know, one of the most basic, basic things that came out of the initial efforts, and it will be for any bar or ISV or anyone trying to do this, is compensation systems don't work the same as they used to. So you immediately have to think about, well, if you're going to sell a three-year term contract, you're going to get, you're going to bill it monthly most of the time. So you're billing 136, which means you're paying a 136 commission to one of your sales reps. And they're like, what happened? I, I'm not making any money, boss. And, mm -hmm. and so I'm not going to sell that thing that only gets me 136. I'm going to sell this other stuff I've been doing. So, so our very um, first challenge for us and for the community is how do you set up a sales structure that's appropriately incented, and then how do you build these compensation plans so that over time they work and everyone's happy with that? And so the early uh, bars that were doing this that I got to go visit and interview, they did a couple of different things, but most of them did one thing specific. They went out and made an investment and brought in an overlay sales team, Jim, on top of their hardware sales team. And okay. it, was, it, was, it was selling together. And that cost you more. That's the investment. It's a little risky because you're going to bring in maybe an extra person or two or three, depending on your organization, to work with your hardware sellers to go make joint calls and answer all the questions. And you're probably going to need some engineering assistance. And by the way, other than the sales assistance, which we can help with, we have a lot of talent helping on the engineering side. And that's probably where our partners use us the most is, is you have to engineer a lot of these connectivity solutions to work because you're dealing with multiple internet companies and you got to have a network that's that's robust enough to deliver that in the store as well. But back to the real risk is that that's going to fail. And so your business, you're making a commitment and this can't be, let's just try it for like six months. This is like bold. And, mm -hmm. and our experience is that if you, that if our people are talking to someone who looks like Mike Bauer that has gray hair and is 65 years old, you might pause and say, hey, Mike, is there somebody going to be there other than you five years mm -hmm. from now? Because there's going to be a multi-year investment. And so it's one of those where the partner really has to decide, are we ready just generationally to, to take this on? Yes. Yes, because it's going to take a generation to really, just like uh, ScanSource went through, it's going to take years and years in order to do it. Yeah, to maximize it. And it's not without um, uh, return. And, and what we do know is it will open up more opportunities, mm -hmm. especially with your, and this is what our advice is, go to your existing uh, customers. They already trust you, right? Yep. And, and you say, hey, we've got a new, we got some new offers and our, our friends at ScanSource want to come in with us to help you see what we can do for you that's new. And, and so you got you can start that way, but you do need to make some kind of investment. And that's risky, especially for you and I know all of these um, partners we have, they're different sizes, and some of them are ready in their time to do it. Like Scanser was ready in 2015. Yeah. They may not be ready until 2023 or 2024. And so I think partners have to pick the time to do this. Yeah. Can you talk, you mentioned something, and I wanted to follow up on it, where you said about you interviewed some VARs. Yeah. And so, like, let's be honest, you're a very successful CEO of a multi-billion dollar company. 
you don't have to go interview VARs, right? There's somebody else who could do that for you. But I've always said there's no substitute for a competent person getting closer to the situation. Is that why you went and did those interviews? You wanted to get primary data in order yeah. to help you make that decision. Well, yes, I wanted to get eyeball to eyeball with C other CEOs. <laughs> and, okay. and because sometimes, you know, people, you do a survey and you're going to get some of it kind of watered down. And I wanted to, to make sure that this was a trusted conversation that tell me what didn't work too, because I won't share your specific example, but I would love to share this example with our community. And, and most bars are fine with that. And, and you know that from the RSPA. I think that was one of the hallmarks of the RSPA that I remember from the old days was the sharing of data yep. across the community. And that way you could say, hey, what's best practices? What's, what's the right uh, percent of revenue we should spend on services, et cetera? I think that's where we are today with this hybrid approaches we're trying to create, and we had it at the uh, conference, and we had some uh, testimonials from some of our mm -hmm. customers. I think you may have seen those. We had I did, videos. yep. And, and we asked those partners, hey, can we use your, your testimony? I said, absolutely. So I love the fact that our community in general, and, and most of the time, is very helpful to each other. But I found it very helpful for me to just sit across from and say, tell me what you experienced. Um, is there any of the problems you had that we could help advance faster, getting you through that that problem area. And they did. They gave us advice. And this, I went to be, I went to some of the more um, larger firms first because they tended to have resources that they could deploy sooner in something like this. But but our approach is going to be to help every partner that wants us. Right, who wants to do it? Because that's the whole thing. Like, this is a choice. People tell me all the time, no, the resellers have to do this. They have to make the transition. I always say it's right. legal in the United States of America to not grow your business. Right. It's legal to go out of business, right, and to go bankrupt. Right. Like, that's that's how it works. And so maybe I'm maybe yeah. I'm overstating that. But I guess what's your take on what's going to happen to the VARs who don't make the transition? Is it just they remain small lifestyle businesses or is it the path to irrelevance or or extinction? I guess what's your take on that? Well, you know, it's funny because we, we've always said that the VAR community exists because there's so many types, uh, especially in the retail side of our business, there's so many different types of end customers. It's so fragmented. There's really never been an opportunity that I can remember where anybody, especially in our retail business, would, did any kind of consolidation play to where there was this master large VAR that ran everybody else out of business. It didn't happen. Right. Uh, we all remember the days when we had the direct marketers who back in the earlier days were called mail order companies, right? Um, and I don't know if you remember this one, Jim, but uh, another early successful direct marketer was Microbiz. Do you recall that name? I do. All? I do Microbiz, yes. Mm -hmm. Microbiz was, if I remember right, Craig Aberly, like in 1994, they were sending out a million catalogs to end users every quarter. Mm -hmm. And he was selling complete solutions, but he didn't really want to be in the hardware business. He wanted to be in the software. So ScanSource wanted to work with We bought his hardware business from him. And again, we pushed him down the path of becoming a pure ISV. So as we've seen these movies before, we try to bring some of that knowledge to where we are today and say, we can help. And in this case, where you are, where, where you're going is, We've got this, I will call it a new model for the VAR that may not want to get real big and may not want to put more working capital in their business because of where they are. They absolutely can survive. Matter of fact, our agency model, which we learned how that works from our intelligence acquisition, this agency model is a very low working capital business 
you can still sell hardware, you can sell connectivity, but the risk goes way down. Um, the profitability can go down too, but you can be very successful for a long time. So I think we now have some new business models that a, a VAR especially can choose. Do I go hybrid? Do I stay just far? Or do I want to go down this agency model? And so I love the idea that this industry is consists of independent owners of small businesses as a, as a as just a rule. And there's always going to be enough of them. I mean, yes. <laughs> I have I have huge confidence that there will be a large customer base for us to serve for many many years to come. I am not worried about about somebody going out of business because we've gone through recessions too, Jim. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and and we prevailed. We all prevailed. It got tough, right? Pandemic, yes. recession, what's next? I was talking to my leader in Brazil and they're like, you know, now we got a problem again, just like you guys did in the US. Your politics, yeah. he said, but we have interest rates at 18%. You guys have them at six. You're complaining? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and so everybody's got problems, but I trust these independent owners to find a way to be successful. I have no doubt. Yeah, and I think that's the key word is independence. The foundation of the RSP it used to be the ICRD, Independent Cash Register Dealers Association. And the independent streak will take a beating from time to time. Like you said, a recession, a new technology, a big player, you know, things of that nature. But that independent streak, it's hard to keep that down. Like I said, it, it may yeah. uh, take a beating from once in a while. Well, Let, well and, oh, and, Jim, and Jim, independence to me is also, these are entrepreneurs. And yes. they have adapted to change and they will adapt to change again. And and I'm OK with some of them saying, I don't want to be the first. Mm -hmm. I'll be a fast follower. And that's OK, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Let somebody else cut through the jungle yeah. and you follow the path. Absolutely. Well, you know what they say about the pioneers, Jim? You can recognize them because they have arrows in their backs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a quick break here and just thank our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsor is Blue Star. Our gold sponsors are CoCard, Heartland, Star Micronics, and a company you might recognize, ScanSource. To receive the benefits of an RSP membership or RSP sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. So, Mike, your vision, or your vision, like we've talked about, if we call it RSPA 3.0, it centers on those hybrid solution providers. Let's talk about, if you can, each constituency in our channel and what each of them can do to help VARs make this transition. So first, talk about the role that vendors play, right? Both the hardware vendors, the software developers. What actions do you think they need to take over the next year, two years, five years, 10 years to help accelerate this transition? Well, you know, one of the things that, I, that I've seen happen over the years, and, and I think we're at another point in time where um, the channel and the channel program. So these are vendor-led programs. A program would be some kind of incentives or, or direction that the vendors want to give the, the, the VAR community. And what I've learned over the years is they, they typically are way too, they're too short term. Um, the vendors are on some, some of them are public companies like we are, and they have a quarterly cadence and or an annual cadence. But what needs to change is there needs to be multi-year channel specific programs because these independent um, businesses, they have to make decisions that have to go out past a quarter or even a year. And so I've never seen a hardware vendor do something that's multi-year, at least not in a long time, Jim. Okay. So I would advise all of the suppliers, 
look at doing some of your programs. Some, obviously, we need some tactical stuff. That's okay. But there needs to be some programs that are meant to last over time. And by the way, I think every partner would agree they're okay tying loyalty to that. And we used to have that. And a matter of fact, you know that from back in the, again, the ICRDA days, most, if not all dealers were very loyal to one or two brands. Mm -hmm. And I think that's gone away because the suppliers did not incent that behavior. So um, I speak on behalf of the channel. We can be coin operated. If yeah. you give us the right incentives, we will follow a path. But it's hard to do that if you're coming with different programs every quarter. So I would advise them, you got to think longer term now. This is the time to do that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, people used to say, I'm a micros dealer, right? They used to just represent one, but now they're choosing the best. And I was just talking last week with uh, an RSPA VAR member, and they said, the things we're doing now, we used to get rewarded with a trip to Italy, a trip to Hawaii. Yep. He said, now I can't even get a Christmas card, you know, from some <laughs> of these, you know, these big vendors who I work with because, you know, right. the expectations are, are so different. So, okay, that's the vendors. How about the distributors, right? It seems from my perspective, and I guess from an RSP perspective, they've become even more important helping the VARs put together these total solutions because it's hard for a VAR to go to all individual uh, vendors to put it together. Uh, what role do you think the distributors need to play? Well, I think the distributors have had to step in where these vendors used to have programs. I mean, back in the day, if you were uh, a specific brand, NCR Micros, IBM, we represented two of those three. Um, those vendors had programs, for example, for training and education. They don't need more. And so the distributors are doing that. And I would say in the last few years, we've picked up the pace of education and training. And I know the RSPA does it as well, but, but I think the distributors have been fortunate that we can ask the suppliers to help finance those programs through us. And so I think this year we'll probably have a hundred different opportunities to meet VARs, educate, entertain, network throughout the year. We'll do over 100, I think over 100 events this year. It's, it's staggering. Oh, wow. And I think the distributors can get scale to do that on behalf of suppliers too. Like today in Greenville, we're training our sales team and we have about 25 of our suppliers here. And these are the ones that typically would not get a lot of FaceTime in front of our sales team. And so we do it at scale. We bring them in by lunch and I don't know how many people we had today, but it was a lot who mm -hmm. showed up for the free lunch and to get to meet and network with our suppliers. And we want to do those same kind of programs on the road on behalf of the uh, dealer community. So in the, in the um, bar community. So I think distributors should absolutely be responsible for education and training and and talking about market trends. Where is the market going? Because we're not beholden to any one supplier. And the suppliers don't pay us to be beholden either. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. the, way, the way you're talking is the same for us. Is they're yeah. not paid to be exclusive. Yep. Um, we used to be, by the way, but not anymore. And so we have to then represent what we believe the end customer wants. And then what are the best solutions, using that word again, that we think a, a partner should try to market. And, and we try to then tailor that message based on the specific niche, whether it's healthcare, hospitality, general retail, as you know, Jim. So we we try to help our partners because I think one of our differences at Scancer has always been we have deep institutional knowledge from our sales and support teams. We have people that have been in Scansource, like me, 30 years. We, right, have, right. We, have a, we have a salesperson who 
um, was part of our first acquisition uh, in March of 93. And Phyllis, is she still with us 30 years later? It's amazing. And so thank you for that. So can you also talk, this is distributor and also maybe a vendor standpoint. And what I've seen is a lot of VARs, right, are smaller businesses. Their merchants tend to be smaller businesses. They like working with smaller businesses. But distributors by nature have to be bigger, and a lot of these vendors have to be bigger. But they still need to be easy to work with. And it sounds like that's something that you've really focused on and why you've made all sorts of changes inside. I guess, can you talk about, do you see that as an important aspect of this as well, that VARs, we just said, it's easy to go back to what you've always been doing. If it's difficult to work with a vendor or distributor, they're just going to say, well, it's too hard for me to, to do this. Can you talk about that, the importance of, of these larger companies being easy to work with, with these SMB VARs? Yeah, I, I think it's true that the, the large suppliers, they don't have the resources, even if they wanted to work with the smaller VARs. We do, although we have limits too. And so what we try to do is to say, the more you can bring us into what you're trying to accomplish as a VAR, we can then put more resources on you. We're willing to bet on VARs that will share their business plan with us, Jim, and, mm-hmm. and tell us more. But you got to kind of invite us in. Right. We can't, make it, make you tell us what you're going to do in the next two or three years. But we've got people that will sit down, our business development teams will sit down with our VARs and say, walk us through your plans. And then how can we insert scan source services to reduce the complexity of acquiring new products, new relationships, and frankly, do some things that you couldn't do on your own. So I think that has always been the power of distribution is leverage for the channel. And I will tell you this, we have found that actually the larger the VAR, the, lo- the more number of people they have, the more they use our services. Okay. More, yeah. It, you, it, it seems counterintuitive that the smaller guy needs us more. The bigger guy needs us just as much because they now are trying to do even more things. And so my advice is, to a VAR, get as big as you can manage successfully, because the bigger you are, it's going to be easier to attract talent. And we all know one of our biggest challenges is going to be going forward is talent acquisition and retention. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting. That kind of ties in. We already talked about like what the VARs can do, but also like when you, that quote that I read back to you, you'll attract the right people to your business. So you'll have a future that's extremely bright because it seems like you don't have folks who are coming in now and saying, I want to be a dealer, but they do want to work in the tech sector. I guess, is that something you see that VARs need to do is they need to position themselves as being more tech companies than just, hey, I'm just reselling and bundling some things together. It's got to have a higher tech play to in order to, ta- you know, attract these, these new special folks. Well, I think that's absolutely true. And and one of the big uh, benefits of what happened during the pandemic is remote work or hybrid work or whatever you call it. We call it productivity anywhere. So okay. our plan is now we can recruit from a broader geographic region. And I think our VARs can too, because now we have the better tools like the tool we're using today to connect with video. I mean, video is so much richer than just having an audio phone call, right? Remember those days? And mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's just so different the way the conversation can go when you can see someone and see that they're smiling or they're not or they're bored. Or and and I think the ways our VARs are going to start selling differently in the future. I think this younger generation, we need to show them that we have all those tools too. That it's not you got to go hop in your car and drive to go see 14 customers over the next right. five. This is a new way to sell, and we are an exciting industry to join. Yes, yeah, it's more than rolling trucks now. 
yes. uh, than it used to be. So. Exactly. And and let them work from uh, from home. Uh, yeah, we want to create opportunities to bring them together like we did today in Greenville. Um, and that works. I mean, nobody's let's go. Let's go back to the reality. When we had everybody on the road, they weren't working any harder than the people do today. They were spending half their time traveling. Heck, yeah. Now you don't have the commute time, the travel time, and all of us have less travel expense. So I think it's a win. Great. And Mike, my final question for you is, so our listeners to this podcast, they're leaders and aspiring leaders in the retail IT channel. So what's one lesson or one quote from your career in this space that you'd want to share with them? Like, what's that one nugget of wisdom? Well, I tell it around here a lot. People get tired of hearing me say it, but the oldest forever new, Jim. I mean, the, the, the situations change, but you know, I remember when I was a kid and in my house and we had a landline phone, we didn't call it landline, and we rented the daggum thing. And if we wanted a longer cord, that cost more per month. And so mm-hmm. this idea of of recurring revenue, that's been around a long time. And uh, it, we just need to sometimes stop and ask the old timers some stories. Hey, what was it like, Jim, when you were younger? And, and there's so many lessons learned. And we, the older guys, have to be not be arrogant about saying, I told you so. Mm-hmm. But we got to share more. And I love the fact that you guys are doing your 75th anniversary year. I love the fact that you're going to share some of these stories. I think there's there's absolutely things that will apply today from things that happened 10, 20, 30, 75 years ago. So again, my best to you guys for that. And uh, we look forward to joining you on that journey this year. Well, thank you. And tying in with that, where the association was founded was a bunch of dealers who you could see would be competitors working together. And right, that was 75 years ago, but it's still true today, right? If partners come together and can overlook some of their competitive differences, they can help each other out and help the community. Agreed, agreed. Well, it's an exciting time to be in the channel. And I'm sure glad that uh, ScanSource is still here to do that. And we're looking forward to big things. And thanks for the uh, partnership with the RSPA, Jim. No, wonderful. Thank you, Mike. Well, that does it for this episode of The Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSPA YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. Before we go, big thanks again to Mike Bauer for sharing his wisdom today. Thanks also to RSPA Marketing Director Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail technology ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, everybody. 